Welcome to Inside the Director's Circle and this episode on the blueprint for scaling your business. I'm Jason Langford-Brown, your host, founder of the Director's Circle, practicing business advisor and coaching psychologist. Scaling a business beyond startup and lifestyle is not easy and in truth, few organizations do it either significantly or sustainably. Today, we're going to explore the blueprint for success with the help of those that have been there and done it, with a particular emphasis on the role of strategy. To add a practical element to the discussions, we have three of our business leader members from the Director's Circle. Firstly, Ben Toe, Group CEO of Hadley Group, a global leader in steel, role-forming products and steel construction solutions. Kevin Watson, Managing Director of Amadeus, one of the UK's leading catering and hospitality outsourcers and part of the NEC Group of Companies. And Richard Price, Managing Director of TIT, one of the UK's leading software suppliers to the utility industry. And just very quickly, before we get into the discussion, remember this is just a snapshot of what happens within our business leader community. So if you want to get more involved or get some deeper insights, visit directors-circle.com and click the join the community button. So just getting into the discussion today, guys, I thought... um, Probably start with you, Kevin, if I can. I know, you know, when you when you joined Amadeus, um, already, you know, in excess of ten million pound turnover, you've you know way way more than doubled that. Um, but I know you've scaled businesses as well uh, 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 with different industries and different levels. For you, what's the blueprint for success of scale up? And I suppose, what in particular does the, the role of strategy play for you? Um, I think we need to be very careful with the term strategy. And I'm not into the Oxford Dictionary and definitions per se, but um, I, I, I try and simplify and try and keep everything I do simple. So I, I'm a bit glib. I'll just call strategy a posh word for a plan. Um, so what is our plan? Uh, we can't have an internalized plan. It has to be externalized based around our customers and our market. I've sat in too many meetings or in too many businesses where the, the ivory tower decides what their strategy is around what they want to do and how they want to do it and how they want to be perceived, and, and, and they tend to fail. So I think it's about looking outward instead of looking inward, really understanding your market, understanding your customers' needs, and um, you know putting a plan stroke strategy in place to, to grow in, in, in that environment. Just explain a bit more about that market piece. That's interesting. You know, when we when we're working with, with businesses on on strategy, one of the first things we talk about is you know don't talk about this from the perspective of you. Talk about it from the perspective of market. You know, what's your experience of um, of getting that right or not getting that right? Yeah, so you spoke about sort of Amadeus. So, so when I joined Amadeus nearly a decade, well, yeah, ten years ago, uh, we, we were doing sort of between ten and fifteen million turnover. We're, on a good win this year, post-COVID, we should be doing about 60, 65 million. So we, we, we've, we've scaled up to a, a, a good volume. But um, what, what we've done there is really drive their customer insight. So I would never say we're a totally data-led business because we are in hospitality, we are in customer service, we're in the service industry. But um, getting that data-driven and that customer insight, quantitative and qualitative, should drive every decision you make. So it's go out, find those, um, f- find those customer insights, and that should drive your hierarchy of needs. So we, we always put those, or I always put those in a pyramid, pretty standard stuff. But, you know, what, what does your customer expect? What, what's going to exceed and what's going to be exceptional? And, what, and, and how does that set you apart? And if you've got that customer-driven data, 
that should say drive every project, every service, every communication, every OPEX and every CAPEX project lines with those customers' needs. And if you're driving that, particularly in a customer-focused business like my own, then that just drives those customer service scores. So understand your service scores, go out, understand and get some data in your market, do some research, and then put those projects and plans in place with your OPEX and your CAPEX. You should then, in theory, see your customer experience scores increase and improve. That then just drives your volume. That drives your ability to have confident pricing. And then both of those things come into fruition, just drives your EBITDA and allows you to reinvest again in those same resources. So we call it a virtuous circle based on the hierarchy of needs. So we do those five points consistently. So if you're spending time in meetings, yeah. spending time, you know, capital, resource, whatever it may be, not driving around the customer experience, then it, it could well be money spent, uh, money wasted. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really, it's really interesting there, Kevin, just listening to you speak. Although, you know, you say, you know, strategy needs to be simple, and I agree with that. I mean, if you can't, if it's not simple, how the hell are you going to communicate it to the rest of your business to execute it for you? But it's even interesting there, although, you you know, you, you were slightly glib about it. Actually, it's driving lots of other things like pricing. Um, so without it being there, there would be other some key elements in there that probably wouldn't wouldn't be uh, well executed in your business. Ben, could I, could I come to you? I think when we talk about scale up, Ben, I think most people think about, you know, people get past startup and then beyond. But you're running a business that was already, you know, already north of probably 50 million when you took ownership of it. And it has been around for several decades. And now you're into the hundreds of millions. So you've scaled up at considerable scale. What for you is is is, is the blueprint for scale up? And, and how do you see strategy forming the key element of that, if you do at all? No, I, I do. I think there's a there's a lot of science actually almost behind strategy, and I, I accept the, the the point about uh, well, strategy is a posh word for plan. But if you like, my definition was is a strategy is a an integrated set of choices, which is where the plan thing comes in. Uh, that positions a firm in an industry uh, so as to generate superior financial performance over the the long run. So I don't. Really, I think strategy itself. There's there's quite a lot. Whether you're talking about internals, externals, managing interactions over time, that's really where strategy kind of comes in. And you know, it's it's fascinating to me uh, that one of the key points I would make is that when you have a plan, obviously that tends to be a bit of a to-do list, if that makes sense. You know, yeah, we need to get here. We need to be here by then. And we start evolving our plan in that in that way. And probably the biggest thing that we found really difficult to do, and it's as simple as it comes, is to start looking at strategy in a slightly different way, is to say, well, what are we not going to do? Yeah. What is it that means... We, we know where we want to get to. We need that plan, and we've all agreed the goals and the targets and all those good things. But the problems that businesses have, as soon as you know, we talk about, you know, the difference between startup and scale-up, I would argue, would be startup is you've got a managing director, whatever it is, and you're doing everything from these wonderful strategic decisions about your business right the way through to, Taking out the, the you know the, the trash at the end of the day kind of thing. So, hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. what is it that that you do? And then you see moving from startup to scale up. I, I would argue that's about probably employing more people. 
So you have to deliver through others in, 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 a, in a more traditional sense. And that's, that's scaling through. And therefore, just as a, as a completely sort of simple solution, and I hope I'm not oversimplifying what can be quite technical is, um, we all know it. We've gone and we've had a wonderful strategy meeting and we've decided that we are now going to do X, Y, and Z. And then amazingly, you come out of that strategy meeting and the phone rings and one of your employees picks it up. What do they say? What if, it, what if that customer then says, well, um, I know you don't make these pens, but could you make a pen, something like this? Do you do that anymore? Because it, the answer might be no. And that's Absolutely. actually one of the hardest points. And the, the companies, and I, I, I genuinely enjoy this and I've studied it a lot, and the companies that I've seen grow quickest generally haven't necessarily been the ones with the biggest aspiration and the most ideas in the tank. They've been the ones that have been absolutely super clear on what they do and what they don't do so that all the focus can be put into these are, this is what we do. If somebody else is over here distracting us and our customer wants us to do X or our shareholder or whatever it may be, if the answer's no, no more resources. Yeah. That's it. Cut it. Yeah. Run. That's, that's what you've got to do. And, and I would argue that that is where we've seen some really dynamic movement with some really fast-growing co companies. So I appreciate it's to start on a, a negative, but it's a great question to ask. What is it that we're not going to do? Absolutely. Ben, and I think, you know, I think you hit on, you know, for us, it's one of the golden rules of strategy. And I think, you know, with my professional hat on, um, when we when we do strategy work with people, I've yet, you know, in 25 years had a had a problem with the amount of possibilities that we could follow when we're developing a strategy. The pro you're absolutely right. The, the, the tough call comes in when we decide what we're not going to do. And I just wanted to, you know, listen to um, Ben, Kevin, just, just circling back on what you said quickly, because you're doing a lot of, you said a lot of market insight. Um is that helping you decide what not to do as much as what to do? Yeah, of course it is. And, and that, that's the whole point. It, it gives you that sense of direction. You know, we, we um, well, what's a good example? Uh, veganism. So in our business, veganism, you know, three, 400% growth every year, but, but, it, but it's all relative on, 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 the, on, the, on the starting point. It, it still only makes up maybe four to 5% of my total turnover and, and, um, you know, and it's so easy to get distracted and going down the the wrong route. Or you know, sometimes this, sometimes the old analogy of the you know the squeakiest wheel gets most oil, and it's not necessarily the, the right the, the right focus or the right place you should be spending your time and resources on. So so that's why we take try and take subjectivity, try and take personality out of it, try and get you know try and use that customer data, that customer insight, and then use the team's experience to exploit and deliver that. Yeah, yeah, and that's where we get this. So stick to your knitting, stick to your core business, all that kind of, all those kind of analogies. That's great. We'll come back on a couple of those points. There's some really good stuff in there already. But Rich, I wanted to bring you into the conversation. So I think, Rich, for me, your your, your journey is interesting, and I've been a close part of your journey. But I know you're at Tick now, and you are very much in that startup mold. I think Ben just described your job description uh, a few yeah, minutes yeah. ago, really. Uh, but I did mention at the start, <laughs> I did just, uh, I did say at the start of this podcast, this is your second time around. So you were part of Glide before this as a sales director who were startup, you know, uh, through to 20 million pound business and then, and then sale. And then obviously 
then went again up to 30 million before before you got out and uh but you you were you were a young sales director you were probably early 20s when i first met you in in that business maybe you went on a 10-year journey with glide through that traditional scale-up piece beyond startup so what for you is is kind of the blueprint and uh, you know what's the role of strategy in your opinion yeah i think it's really interesting i think kevin and ben um raised really really relevant points in terms of i think strategy it's all about having an end goal but i do think it it um, changes from startup to scale up in terms of, as Jason mentioned, I'm very much in startup mode at the moment where I think you've got to have that end goal, but equally you have to be really adaptable. You have to be flexible. Um, I think sometimes people fail because they're too wedded to their strategy and, um, and actually they don't go where the, the revenue is and, and they're not adaptable enough because they've got an idea and they want to stick to it because it's the best idea that they've ever had. And, uh, and that's the reason for their failure at times. Um, so I think having a, um, the ability to be really adaptable and flexible and, and, and pivot is essential to um, that strategy when you're in startup phase. I think, um, again, what Ben said, really, really true from a scale-up um, phase at, at Glide, I think, one of the biggest strengths that we had was actually um, saying no to stuff. Um, we were very much focused on the student market. And if you look at the kind of 13 years of, of, of that business and it's still, still going now, um, what I think it was really, really good at was it, there's all utilities. You can provide gas, electricity and broadband to anybody in the country, but we knew what we were good at, and that was the student market. And there was loads of temptation throughout that time to go and chase some um, big elephants that have um, um, could have kind of transformed the revenue side of things. But we were always really, really true to what we were good at, and that was the market that we stuck to, and that was the kind of brand that we created. And, and I think that's why um, we were so successful, um, to, to be honest, because we absolutely nailed what we were good at rather than taking on loads of other stuff um, during that journey. Trying to be all things to all people, yeah. And there aren't many other very big scale businesses, and even in recent times, I think of companies like Dropbox spring to mind, and there's, um, there's many others that just do very, do very, very few things. In fact, even one thing, but just do it really, really well. So I think that that's interesting. That theme. I was interested, Richard, as well, in your your comment there about adaptable and flexible. I, I know again. Knowing, knowing your journey, you know, you went into this second second uh, venture with a strategy that I think is probably now completely been turned on its head. So I think that's interesting that you were, you were, do you think you would have recognized or had the courage to flip your strategy in your second scale up if you hadn't have been on your previous journey? Or do you think that's just something that's in people? Um, I think... I think, yeah. I mean, the, the honest answer is, um, so ticked um, a... In, we're, we're building technology that helps small businesses switch um, their energy without um, any need for any human intervention. Historically, it's um, been a very manual process, lots of energy brokers involved. Whereas actually, if you go online as a domestic customer and switch your energy in 30 seconds, you should be able to do that for businesses. Um, so we're trying to bring that into the 21st century. Um, and the original strategy was let's um, have ticked as a brand. Let's drive a load of small business owners to ticked and um, get them switching on the website effectively. The long and short of it is that that would have failed. It was quite obvious within the first sort of three, four months that um, people weren't going to do that based on a brand new brand credibility and, and actually trying to change habits of a lifetime. Um, and 
the, I'd like to take to, to pretend that it was kind of massive foresight from me and uh, and everything else in terms of that strategy. But in reality, it was a case of we launched with a mission of let's make business energy switching simpler. Um, and we're still very much true to that mission, but we're just delivering it in a completely different way in that um, people approached us basically asking to white label our technology because they believed in the mission. Um, and we kind of just went where the revenue was in those early days to get some cash through the door. And then that kind of then evolved into the most viable product um, um, that we could um, possibly do. So I think it was probably less foresight and more so just listening to your customers of Ben and Kevin have kind of put really, really clearly and, and going where the revenue um, was effectively. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, I think the, 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 you've kind of led into the, 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 sort of the last question I wanted to ask everyone really, which is I get a lot of debate, I think now between um, the old school thinking of, you know, need a three-year, five-year, even longer-term strategy and others saying, look, we live in a world now with technology and everything changes so fast. There's no point having the long-term strategy. We just need... You know, we don't even need, you know, we just need to know what we're going to do in the next three months or the, the longest we, sh- we need is a, is a, is a one-year strategy. And I, I don't know, my, my personal view, and I, I think you back it up with what you say, Richard, but I'll be interested in what the room thinks is, is that I think there's still a need for that longer-term view. And it goes back to what Ben said in terms of, you know, you've got your kind of strategic choices. And for you, it was your long-term mission was very clear. Because I think if you've got that sort of three, four, five-year, whatever you need, depending on your market, view that gives you that kind of solid foundation but then you need to be able to be agile and, and pivot and adapt in the short term if you need to so i think it's a it's not chuck away the long term keep the long term but be maybe more flexible in the short term than maybe would have been um in kevin and my in mine days probably um where you could just you know talk about it once every three years and it probably didn't change very much um but i don't know what's what's the view in the room ben what's your view on that kind of long-term versus short-term strategic planning i think i think in fairness if you like, strategy, the way that we think about strategy has been seriously, seriously challenged. And so what you would have found over, you know, 1980s business school, uh, forgive me, I wasn't there, but it would, <laughs> would have, you know, it, there's actually a few more pieces to that sort of complete strategy landscape now that never used to be there. Uh, I, I would give examples of that demographics. They, they didn't used to perhaps be as prevalent as they are now. Uh, I mean, frankly, we've got more people uh, as, as one thing, but we've got more people at different levels, et cetera. Technology, you know, I, I would say the opportunity set, demographics, technology, um, pestle, you know, your political, economic, social, we've just seen, you know, Russia and the Ukraine and what that can do to the world. You, you have to consider all of that because, you, you know, all the time, not just what you want to do, but how you want to do it does get questioned um, asset-like businesses, you know, are a great example of that. The world's largest hotel company is Airband, but it owns no property. You know, and we can give loads of these examples, but, you know, what's the largest, the, the world's largest taxi firm is, you know, Uber. It owns no cars. So if you're going to start a taxi company, surely to God, what you do is you go and buy cars and or or at least look at how cars were bought as part of your business model uh, you know, so the the world really is changing and i i can't fathom really i can't overstate uh, how important it is to to really look at that because ultimately you know in business you've got two options how do i sell my product for more 
or how do I reduce my cost base? And therefore, it's it's between those two points that you are competitive. You know, are you making enough margin to survive? Is your customer receiving a price that they're willing to pay? Those are all aspects where I think you need to kind of keep going back to what's the potential? Um, What can we capture? And then how do we realize what we're actually doing? And those, those sort of three headings, if you will, is very much the way I start to, to sort of think about things because how we, what was the potential of the market? We, we looked at, um, well, we're, we're a steel company. You know, we, we looked at, at products um, in a reinforcement um, application and basically found out that the entire size of the market in the UK was about £6 million and there were already 12 players. So immediately we said, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would we go in and compete hard on that one? So we went in a very different, uh, a definitely very different um, direction, and that was based around what's what's the actual potential of this market. And I, you have got to weigh those those things up, I, I think, at the start, just to make sure that you are actually really onto what you think you're onto. Um, does it, I hope that that comes across. Yeah, no, it does, but no, it makes there's some really good points in there, which I'm going to use in my summary in a second. But I just want to quickly, because I'm just conscious of time. Kevin, what about for you in terms of that balance between long and short term? Yeah, you need both. I mean, they're, they're two different levers. So you've got to be in the here and now. You've got to react. You, you've got to be, you know, light on your feet. Uh, and hopefully the quicker you can make those decisions and quicker you can change those sort of um, directions, the, the, the better your business is. But you got got to always, I think, keep your eye on that end goal. So your journey might not be a straight line between A and B. It might be a zigzag line, but you're constantly going in the right direction towards B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think just say just conscious of time. I think I think guys, some great points uh, in today's podcast. But I think that you know definitely coming through that need for a very clear view and kind of what your long term goals are. You know, Ben talked about you know uh, the strategic choices. You know. Which talked about the mission. You talked about that long-term goal, but I think you know that ability to be agile on the journey throughout is, is really, really key. I think one thing that came through from all of you about making it whatever you come up with, making it simple. I think that's really important. I think you know it's difficult for for me. I think I, as a strategist, I, I challenge businesses on if you can't say it simply, you probably don't understand it. I think there's a bit of Albert Einstein in there somewhere, but I think Kevin, I think you've mentioned to me before. You know how the hell are you going to get your team to understand it if you can't if you can't simplify it down? But I, I think I do. I do agree with ben i think there's i don't think the actual the actual process has changed a great deal but i, th- I think there is much more data available now m- much more complexity on how you can execute a strategy so i think i always think it's a bit of a blend of a science and an art um but i think there's definitely more science available to us now which i think we i think you're right ben we, we need to take that into account but just say so just to wrap up from today in terms of actually developing a strategy um what would be your just maybe just take a one top tip from each of you before we wrap up today's podcast? Rich, what would what would be your top tip on how to develop a strategy for your business with your team, however, whichever context you want to put that in? Yeah, I think um make it customer focused, um, listen to your customers, um, but also listen to the team. I think um there's the right levels of getting the team involved. But I think there's times where you just can see a complete mismatch between board level strategy and the actual team and you end up dragging your team along. Whereas if you kind of get that stakeholder in, in engagement or even if you just um, 
create the pretense that they're involved and, and go with your original strategy anyway. They kind of feel that um, that much more involved. So you're not dragging them along with you. You're um, pushing them along with you, which I think is the, is the key. Great. Thanks, Rich. Ben, for you, your top tip. For me, there's a, a little bit of just a periodic health check, if you like. Um, and we do this really, really simple model, uh, four columns. What are we going to start doing? Everybody loves that column. That's very easy to fill. What are we going to stop doing? That tends to let some people's frustration come out because typically there is some. What do we continue doing and what do we do differently? And those those are quite contentious elements. But I, I have to say, whilst we, you know, we sit here and uh, prophesize about, you know, look at what I did. I, I, I certainly, you know, my colleagues occasionally have pulled me aside and said, look, you know, that line of business, I know you've just kind of gone with it, but it really doesn't make the money. You know, you need that that sort of realization sometimes because you work so hard to build, build, build. And sometimes, you know, that you, you can't only continue to build. Sometimes there has to be a bit of the shaping, if you will. And, and you can call that strategic, but you know, ultimately, as, as with anything, you know, in order for it to, to grow as, as healthy and in the right way, then sometimes you have to prune it back uh, as much as you have to encourage it to grow. Yeah, and I think I think you touched on there, but emotionally detaching as a leader and an owner of a business is not always easy. It's having people to do, do that around you, Ben's probably quite powerful. Kevin, I'll give you the last word for today. Market and customer. There's plenty of data and facts now out there. We, we've mentioned a few of them. Um, but don't lose sight of your market and don't lose sight of your customer. Then engage the team of how to deliver those requirements. The ideas shouldn't really come from the team. The market should steer you. The customer should direct you. And then you and your team figure out how to actually um, execute and deliver that. Yeah, and I, I think I think if someone's my top tip would be yeah, build it from build it based on market conditions, not on your business. I think is something I always say to people, so I, that resonates with me. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. Um, we could as ever talk about this or prophesize, as Ben says, forever on this. Um, but thank you, thank you for joining us today. In the next episode, we'll be discussing how to implement a strategy at a more practical level. But if you want more info on this subject, reach out to us at directors-circle.com or contact one of our knowledge partners at lucid-group.com. In the meantime, thank you for listening to Inside the Director's Circle.